You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The passage of the scripture that I'm going to be reading out of today is Judges chapter 6. Going deep in the Old Testament, Judges chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith tree, which was in Oprah, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Ab, that fellow right there, while his son Gideon, thank you for having an easy name, Gideon, threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I would like to think if I was in that situation, I would probably stand up a little bit taller. If I have an angel, if I have, if I have the Lord standing in front of me, and he says, you mighty man of valor, might straighten up a little bit. If I had a tie on, I might straighten my tie up, get a little bit bold. Let's see Gideon's response. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, that's a good start. If the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Oh boy, Gideon, here we go. And where are all his miracles, which our father told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord who just so you know is standing in front of him, and this is what he's saying, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianite. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon's response is, where is the Lord? He's forsaken us. But there's one thing that he said in verse 13 that is the title of my sermon is where are all his miracles? That Gideon made a statement that I think resonates in us today. Gideon says, where are all his miracles which our father told us about? Remember, during the time of Judges, Moses had died, Joshua had died. They came into the promised land. They conquered everybody. They established their homes. And all their leaders had died. And if you read Judges, it's this cycle of they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And remember, under the Old Covenant, you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. God spelled it out very quickly and very clearly. If you worship other gods, bad things are going to happen. And all of a sudden, the Israelites would start worshiping other gods. They would see other women and start marrying them. They would start doing all these things, and they would be taken over by the enemy. But, but God, being gracious... And as soon as the Israelites would recognize what they did wrong, and they would say, God, deliver us. God, free us. We're sorry. We'll tear down the idols. We'll do all that. 
God would raise up a judge and would annihilate that enemy. And then there would be peace and freedom throughout the land. And then as you read Judges, but the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the cycle would begin. And here we find ourselves in Judges chapter 6. They had done evil in the sight of the Lord again. The Midianites had taken over. They had had judge after judge. At least three or four judges come. And Gideon's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. And an angel of the Lord shows up and says, God is on your side, you mighty man of valor. And his question is, where are all the miracles? And it's a question I think that even now in 2020 we're asking. God, where are all the miracles? We see the craziness going around us. And me, as your pastor, me as just a regular Christian, is asking God, where are all your miracles? Because there's things in my life that I need to see you show up. And I've read stories, and I've heard things, and I've experienced miracles in the past. But right now, in this moment, and maybe in your own life, you're asking that same question. And we're going to go on that journey together. Build your faith up where we're going to believe and see miracles in Press Church. We're going to see miracles in your lives and in your family's lives. We're going to see miracles in this community. We're going to see God reigning in this area once again. Because we start with the simple question of where are all his miracles? The definition of miracles, a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. I need some of those. You need some of those. This community, this nation, this world. We need to see his miracles moving again. Now I want you to know they've never stopped. God is not withholding miracles in 2020. He is very open and willing to be a miracle-working God. It got me thinking as I was reading the story of Gideon, which eventually Gideon gets it together. He puts God through a couple of tests. Remember, he, shro- he throws the, the sheep uh, wool out into the yard and he says, if you really want me to do something, God, uh, make the, the dew around The grass dewy and and the sheep's wool dry. God does a miracle, does exactly what he says. You would think that would be enough, oh mighty man of valor. No, 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 let's let's do the opposite. Let's let's flip-flop it. Let's, you know, if I you could do it that way, it could be a quinky dink, I don't know. Let's try it the other way. Make all the dry the ground dry and the sheep's wool. Okay, well. He doesn't withhold his miracles. From the man who is asking, where are all his miracles? God just starts showing him the miracles by asking the question. The miracles start showing up. And he says, get everybody together. We're going to go fight. And then God says, you want to see the miracles? Well, I'm going to make sure that it's something that happens that's outside of nature. That happens like the definition of scientific law. We're going to go take on the Midianites And we're going to keep dwindling down your army. 
You said, where are all the miracles? God says, I'm going to show you the miracles. But it's not going to make sense to you. And they whittle it down to, what, 300 to go fight an army? And he says, well, what do you got? You got some pots. You got, you got a couple pots and pans. Well, put your swords down and let's, let's clash those pots and pans together. You want to see the miracles? Well, then you're going to see me interact and do things and move like you've never seen before. You want to see the miracles of what happened to your father? You're going to see some things. And he goes and he defeats the army with a handful of people making a handful of noise. God causes confusion. He saw the miracles and he started with the question which looks like a complaint. God saw it as a questioning of faith and said, I'll show you all the miracles. You want to see them? But let's talk about some of the miracles that happened before Gideon, the one he's talking about of his father's. Think about the miracles with Noah. Think about the miracles with Abraham as a covenant is established. As he's promised a child at an old age. When Abraham says he can almost believe that he can have a baby. But he says, what about the womb of that old lady that you gave me? He just can't get past her. How's, the, how's she going to have a baby? I mean, God, I, I think I can have a baby, but there's no way. Let me try some other ways. God says, no, no. I'm going to show you my miracles, which is going to be outside of what you say. What about Noah? Hadn't rained. Didn't know what a boat was. Didn't know what rain was. Just got some instructions. Got some, some Lego instructions. Step one, find wood. Step two, build a boat. Step three, get in the boat. It says that God sealed the door and kept that boat that this man had no idea how to make that people had never heard of in a flood that sunk the whole world. What about the miracles with the Israelites leaving Egypt and the plagues that happened as God stretched out His mighty hand as He separates the Red Sea? People complain or say that, well, it wasn't that big. It wasn't that big of the part of the Red Sea. Just wasn't that deep. Well, then the miracle's even greater because he drowned the entire Egyptian army in that same puddle of water that he split. So either way, it's a miracle. If it's a mile deep, then it makes sense that he split it and the whole army drowned. If it's an inch deep, it's an even greater miracle that these trained Egyptian army forgot how to swim. What about the miracles with Moses and the Israelites going to the promised land? The quail, the manna, the fire by day, the AC, the AC by day, the fire by night. The protection whenever they were attacked. What about those miracles, Gideon? What about the miracles with Joshua and the Israelites when they went in to conquer the promised land? Destroyed Jericho, fought all of these people. Caleb, at a thousand years old, when they finally got in there, 
He said, I've been looking at that mountain for a long, long time, and that's where I want to build my family, so I'm going to go kill whoever's up there and take it over, because that's my inheritance. He dealt with all of the unbelief of all these people and had to walk around, because he said, we can go and defeat them, let's go. And everybody else said, no, it's too scary. We're like grasshoppers. So 40 years, he had to walk around the desert and looking at everybody else's problems thinking to himself, nope, I know I'm going to go in there and conquer it. I know that God's on my side. I know that I can defeat all those people. And when he stepped foot in there, he goes, gets his property. What about those miracles? The miracles before. Look at Exodus chapter 34, verse 10. Exodus 34, verse 10. The first set of tablets that Moses had gotten for the Ten Commandments, had been smashed when he saw the evil that was going on. He went back up to the mountain and he got the second set of tablets. He's having a conversation with God. In 34 verse 10 it says, And he said, God, Behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will, I will, no ifs, ands, or buts, I will do marvels, such that has not been done in all of the earth, nor in any nation, and all people among you, you are, shall see the works of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. God makes this covenant and makes this statement, I will do marvels, such that has never been seen throughout the whole world. That has to be one of the things that Gideon is referencing, that his fathers have told them story after story, and somehow miracles, miracles, miracles have happened throughout his family, his generations, and he stands there in front of the Lord and says, where are all your miracles? I need to see them, because right now my surroundings tell me otherwise. The enemy is attacking. We don't have food. I'm hiding it. Our finances are in chaos, our family's in chaos, our nation's in chaos. There's chaos, there's craziness all around, and I've heard about miracles happening everywhere else. God, where are your miracles? And it's almost like I could see God up in heaven just kind of crack his fingers and say, you want to see them? You're asking for them? Let me show you what I can do, because he makes a covenant with his people all the way back in Exodus, and says, I will do marvels that the earth has never seen, that the nations have never seen. He sends his son to the earth. Jesus shows up on the earth. What about the miracles that he did? John says that there aren't enough books in all of the world to contain all of the things that he did while he was on earth. The Gospels are pretty chock full of miracles. Think about this. Jesus did miracles of abundance. The very first miracle he does is turning water into wine, keeping the party going. After they had well drunk and drank all the wine, because of faith in his mom telling the servants, whatever he tells you to do, you do. Jesus says, woman, it's, it's not my time. Oh, Apparently it's your time now that faith makes Jesus react. Uh Uh-oh. 
That faith compelled Jesus, who said, it's not my time right now. And his mother said, do whatever he says. And Jesus had to respond to her faith and create a miracle. And not only does he create a miracle of just one more bottle of wine. Well, they've been partying. They've got a lot going on. They've been drinking. Here's one bottle of rosé. Let's call it a night. Let's go home. He fills seven pots, gallons and gallons of wine. Then they bring it to the party, and they say, this is the best wine we've ever had, a God of abundance. The last miracle that Jesus does is his disciples are fishing. They've run away. They're hiding. They're doing all these things. And Jesus says, hey, you caught anything? I feel like Jesus is sarcastic at times. You know, they've been out fishing all night and haven't caught a darn thing. And then the sarcasm of Jesus comes out again. Throw your net on the other side. Have you tried that? We're in a, a lake. Like we've fished everywhere. Just because they're not on this side, how are they automatically? Oh my goodness. And the Bible makes sure that it records that it was over 150 large fish that they caught. That God's, that Jesus' ministry is bookend on being a God of abundance and doing a miracle of abundance. What about miracles of deliverance? At any time there was a demon around, he didn't play too kindly with them. Took authority over them. Shut your mouth. Sit down. Come out. Go here. Go there. Do this. Miracles of healing. Anytime Jesus encountered someone who was sick, that person left healed and restored. Completely restored. What about miracles of resurrection? In his own life and in others. Jesus couldn't be around dead people. Jesus couldn't be around sick people. Because when he was, they just got healed. They just came back to life. What about miracles of forgiveness? That the Savior came and died on the cross. And in one swoop, forgave everyone of their sins. Yes, he meant it to the Roman soldiers. But he meant it to the whole world. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Adam and Eve, they didn't know the consequences that would happen when they ate that fruit. And there's Jesus at the cross. Yes, he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Roman soldier, but there's a prophetic inference over that. Oh, Father, they don't know. The humans don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. Save them. And let me be that sacrifice. It is finished. What about the early church that God gave them the power Jesus gave his disciples and gave the early church the power and the authority of his name to go and do miracles. And look at Acts chapter 19. Very simple verse, but very powerful verse. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, who was a murderer, who in all reality was an antichrist, was against Christ completely when he was Saul. He tells people that he was the worst of the worst. And God radically changes him and says, through him worked unusual miracles. Which gives me hope. If he's given that power to Paul, if he's given that ability to Paul, 
And that power and ability is available to all of us. It's inside of us. It's all around us. What about in America? People are saying that this is the craziest times that we've ever been a part of. I can't disagree with them, at least in my lifetime. In the 17th century, we had Martin Luther nail some paper to a door to come against the Catholic Church and the Protestant Reformation began. We get to America in the 1730s to the 1740s. We have the first great awakening that happens. Men in the faith like George Whitfield and John Wesley and Jonathan Edwards. Sinners in the hands of an angry God was his message. Should probably reform that message to the righteous in a loving Father's hands. The second great awakening happened from 1800 to 1830 with Charles Finney kicking it off. The third great awakening happened in 1850 to the 1900s. Dwight Moody and William and Catherine Booth were some who helped start that. Then in 1906 to 1915, we had the Azusa Street Revival. A young black man in a small church just started praying and the Holy Spirit showed up and stayed for a long, long time by the name of William Seymour. From the Bible school that I went to, Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas, we have the healing movement from the 1940s to the 1950s. Oral Roberts, the one who founded the Bible school I went to, Gordon Lindsay, Catherine Coleman, All of these men and women who saw mighty, mighty miracles happen. What about the Jesus movement? Maybe some people are old enough to remember that. The 60s and 70s. We had all these musicians come out of it. We had Petra come out of it. We had Keith Green, which is one of my dad's favorite artists, come out of it. The Jesus movement. What about 95 to 2000? We had the Brownsville revival. John Kilpatrick in Florida. There's other ones that have happened, the Toronto revival that happened around 2008, another one that happened in Florida, and I read through these as I was studying for this, and I saw them talk about the miracles, I saw them talk about the controversy, I saw them talk about the people, the good and bad that happened with all these different revivals, and it's man, man does crazy things sometimes. But when I read about the miracles that happened in the Old Testament, when I read about the miracles that happened in the New Testament, it encourages me. When I read about the great awakenings that have happened in America because men and women have fallen on their knees and cried out, God, where are all your miracles? That throughout the decades and throughout the centuries, He shows up and He starts providing and He starts moving, and He starts multiplying, and He starts pouring His love, His mercy, His Spirit out on people. And when they taste and see that the Lord is good, not only does a revival change a person and change a family, it changes generations, it changes cities, and it changes nations. In 2020, we're asking, where are all your miracles? Psalm 77, verse 14 You are the God who does wonders. 
You, God, have declared your strength among your people. If you're in a situation today and you're feeling weak, feeling tired, you're feeling weary, this scripture says he's declared his strength over you today. He's a God who does wonders. That's all he does. Wonders, miracles, things that amaze that are outside of the natural, that aren't supposed to happen. He's the God who makes them happen. I think back in my life, when I was younger, when I was a baby, one, maybe I was under one, I had crazy amounts of ear infections. A lot of ear infections. We'd go to the doctor, mom and dad would take me, this is from them telling me this story. We went to the doctor, and they said, he has another ear infection. We've got to put tubes in his ears. Mom and dad said, what's wrong with him? What's the matter with him? They're probably still asking that question today. I said, what's going on with him? And they said, well, our doctor said, I was a baby. I don't remember this. His ears, the tubes in his ears are at a wrong angle. They need to be at a certain angle for them to drain. And because they're not at that certain angle, they're not draining. Hence, the fluid staying in there. Hence, you having ear infection after ear infection. So the doctor said, you need to take him home. We need to clear down this ear infection. And once it's done, we'll put tubes in there. Mom and dad went home and said, we are not going to put tubes in our son's ears. We now know what God has to do. We go, they bring me back a couple of weeks later, a couple days later, whenever. And the doctor says, his ear infections are cleared. He doesn't need to because his ears, the angle has changed. Where are all your miracles? I've been told that story since a kid that if you took care of me at one years old, before I even knew you, before I even could talk, how much more will you take care of me as we go on this journey of life? I got saved the day before I turned four, I got spirit-filled when I was 10. Water baptized, miracle of that when I was in high school. Tried to run away from God and kind of do my own thing, high school and college. And in the middle of partying and hanging out and having fun and doing things with people, I would always be sitting in these parties and I could just hear and feel God's presence. What are you doing? Why are you here? Where are you going? No, 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 we're not talking about this. We're having fun. This is, what are you doing? Why are you here? What's going on? I remember when I was in high school or college, me and a buddy of mine, we were uh, driving my car, and we were goofing off, and hopefully my parents have signed off and gone to church, because I don't know if they know this story. And we were driving in this uh, forerunner that I had, and we were in the mall, and we were doing donuts. I was doing donuts in the, in the car, me and him. And we had music playing, and uh, we weren't under the influence of anything at that time, so we were just being idiots. And as we're doing donuts, all of a sudden, I let go of the wheel, and we're just spinning. And we can both feel that forerunner picking up off the ground. And in my mind, I'm thinking, we're about to go rolling. Also, the second thought in my mind is if I survive this, my dad is going to kill me. And as this car is spinning and I'm trying to figure out what to do and what, 
somehow, some way, my knee, which the the uh, the shifter thing was right by my leg, I hit it with my knee, and it puts it in park and stops the car dead in its tracks and drops it. We both like look at each other and. Where are all his miracles? I can only say that somehow, some way, my guardian angel in the back seat as he's hanging on to the car doing donuts with me could grab my knee and fling it to hit it to where we could stop. My wife had a C-section, emergency C-section with our firstborn. And then God told us to get pregnant a second time. And that our baby girl had to be born before the end of last year because there were some things that God wanted to do in my son and my daughter's life. And we had a rough experience with the first pregnancy. And Maddie says, I want to have the second baby naturally. And we went to doctors and they said, that's not possible. We were in the hospital getting ready to deliver her. And the doctor walks in and he says, Basically, the first thing he says is, well, we got to start preparing in case we have to do a C-section. Okay, we've been talking about not having a C-section, and, and you bring this negative energy, you bring this, this doubt all the way right in when we come in. And I watched my wife, and I watched her body as she delivered that baby naturally. And I stood back and said, where are all his miracles? It's right here. You answered another prayer. You've shown up again. I've seen God do miracles time and time again. Where are all his miracles? You are the God who does wonders. Let's finish with two stories and then I'm done. John chapter 11 verses 1 through 3. We're going to look at the story of Lazarus. And I hope it encourages you. Something God showed me a while back that Hopefully we'll bless you. Because you could find yourself in the place of Lazarus. And I want to encourage you to never give up. To never quit doubting. To never quit believing and keep believing for his miracles. Look at John chapter 11 verses 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 2. It was that Mary who had anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 3. Therefore, the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, send him to Jesus. Behold, he whom you love is sick. Look at verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, in the whole world, at this moment, we could probably assume that Jesus, it says in the Scriptures, he loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Had a very close relationship with them, was uh, very friendly with them, loved them. They also probably know all the stories, they know all of the miracles, they know all the things. They've had Jesus over for dinner, they've had uh, lunch, they've had encounters with him. They know, without a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus can heal the sick. We can agree to that. Lazarus himself is probably thinking, just let Jesus know I'm sick, he loves me, he can say a word, he can show up, he can do whatever, and I'll be healed. And Lazarus is sick. He says, send word to Jesus. Jesus will come. He'll take care of me. 
Maybe that's the state that you're in right now. There's something going on, something just happened in your life, and you're starting the process of saying, I know God, He'll show up, it's going to be okay, I made a prayer to Him, I made a call to Him. Look at verse 17, we're jumping, jumping through it. You can read the whole story in 11 and 12, but we're just highlighting some things. So when Jesus finally shows up, uh-oh, He found out that He had already been in the tomb four days doesn't say it in the scriptures, but I can assume and believe that Lazarus, even on his deathbed, was saying, Jesus is going to show up. He's going to come and save me. He's going to come and heal me. He's ready. I'm ready. I know he's going to take care of me to his last breath without a shadow of a doubt because he had heard and seen the miracles that Jesus had done. And when Jesus showed up, he's dead. Look at verse 32. Then when Mary came, his family came, Where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Maybe you're in this status right now in your life. You've believed God for something. you believed him for his miracles. You've asked for him and asked for him. And the thing that you asked for didn't happen. It didn't show up. It didn't recover. It didn't move. And you're asking him, if you would have just been here, this situation would have been fixed. Look at verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? Then they said, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Then Jesus said, then the Jews said, see how he had loved him. Look at verse 37. And some of them said this, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? All of these years, from Gideon all the way to this moment with Lazarus, mankind and humanity is still questioning God and still asking him, God, where are all of your miracles? And there's something that happens in God, there's something that happens in Jesus and His Holy Spirit when you ask that question, whether it's in faith or even in doubt. It seems like God says, you want to see my miracles? I'm going to show you my miracles because that's all I am is a God of wonder. And look at verse 43. Now when Jesus had prayed these prayers, He said these things, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who was believing and asking for Jesus to come and heal him and restore him and on his last deathbed breath was saying, I know Jesus will still show up whether there's a miracle or not. He can still do a miracle some way, somehow, some way. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, who was dead, completely gone, no way, shape, or form, able to believe for a miracle, Jesus still shows up and does a miracle because he's a God of miracles. Verse 44, now he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. I'm here to tell you that you might be in the state of death. Your relationship might have died, your finances might have died. Your hopes and dreams might have died. Something in you has died. But God is still the God of miracles. And even in your death, He is willing to revive and bring and show Himself mighty in 
your life. The last scripture I have, and then we're finishing. Matthew chapter 18, verses 11 11 through 14. Matthew 18. We've read this passage before, and we see it as a passage of Jesus going after someone to save them. But let's look at it in the context of our passage and our scripture today. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Verse 12. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountain to seek the one that is straying? Verse 13. And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over than the sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. In the last verse, 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. He's talking about sheep. He's talking about people in his fold. He's talking about people in the church, in his family. And he says there's one that runs away. There's one that isolates himself from everything. There's one who feels alone, who feels isolated, who wants to know, God, where are you? What are you doing? What's happening? And it says here that Jesus leaves the rest of them because when you feel isolated, when you feel alone, when you feel like nobody else is around or God doesn't care, that's when God shines. And God says, I'm going to go find you. In your depression, in your insecurities, in your loneliness, that's the moment where Jesus says, I'm going to show myself mighty and I'm going to go find them. And he does a miracle. He doesn't go look, in, is he in the valley? Is he by, uh, over here by the water? Is he up here? Is he? No, he goes straight to the mountain. I know exactly where you are in the moment that you're in. You think there's a cloudy fog around you? You think that you're confused and all that? Jesus says, I know exactly where you are and I'll go and rescue you. Where are all his miracles? And it says he rejoices more when he finds you and he picks you up and he brings you out of that mess that you're in because it says that God doesn't want to see any of you perish. Not just talking about eternal damnation. He doesn't want to see you perish in your life. He doesn't want to see you keep dealing with whatever you're dealing with. He doesn't want to see this community and this church and the churches around here keep dealing with the things. It's time for revival. It's time for the miracles to return. It's time for us to call upon the God of wonders and see his hand move mighty in our lives. Where are all his miracles? Start asking that question. And I guarantee you by faith the miracles will start showing up. If you're feeling alone and isolated, if you're lost and do not know where you are, if you have purposefully ran away and you need a miracle, I want you to know that Jesus knows exactly where you are today. He doesn't want you to perish in your circumstance or sin. Today is the day to believe for your miracle-working God to do wonders like in the days of your fathers. Where are all his miracles? I wrote this. By faith, receive this today. I believe the miracles are showing up in my life. I believe the miracles are showing up in my family, my church, my finances, my city. I believe his miracles are showing up in my nation. Amen. Can you believe that with me today? Let's stand up today. Father, we thank you that you are a God of wonders. That's all you are. You do miracles, and miracles is your business. And Father, we ask today, by faith, in situations in each and every person, you know where they are, you know what's going on, where are your miracles? 
We need to see them now more than ever. We need to experience them now more than ever. And we ask and we believe with the the righteous, faith-filled question of where are your miracles? Because we need to see them in our lives. We need to see them in our families. We need to see them in our relationships, in our city, in our nation. We need to see them in this world. We need another great awakening, Father. We need another encounter with you, Father. It's great that it happened in the Old Testament. I'm so excited that it happened with Jesus on the earth in the New Covenant. I'm so glad that it happened with the early church. I'm so glad that I can go back and read about the first and the second and the third Great Awakening. I'm so glad about the Jesus movement and all of those different movements that had happened. But in 2020, God, we need and we declare and we cry out for your miracles in 2020, in Williston, South Carolina, in all of the areas, the surrounding regions, and in the state of South Carolina, in the nation. We need another revival. We need your miracles. And we know that those miracle signs and wonders start in us because the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us, and therefore we can go out and be that shining light and be those miracle workers. Father, help your people, protect your people, bless your people, keep your people healed and healthy and whole, and thank you for continually keeping this congregation healthy through this thing. Be with the people that are watching online and those listening to the podcast, and bring us back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. We're going to see those miracles. In Jesus' name, see you all next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.